Apple is not a growth company anymore. That's the headline, Will. I'm helping you on a Google hunt there. Just get right to it. Apple is not a growth company anymore. Uh, what does that mean? How do we break that down? Amazing article here. Comprehensive read, in fact. I uh, Believe it or not, I read it. I read sometimes. Okay. Believe it or not, before we uh, film the show, I'm reading on the internet. You ever tried that before, Will? Yes. Failed miserably. You got a few lines in and... Just fell asleep. Catastrophic. That's okay. Help put you to bed, get you, get you those REMs. Yeah. You need that too. Remember the clip from the other one? Mm -hmm. With the deep sleep, wash the brain out, you got a clean brain. The cleanse, yeah. Yeah, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, comprehensive read here about... Well, b basically about how you can interpret Apple's uh, analytics. I mean, was that, was that how you would reference their, their, their financial, their data, their, their earnings, their year over year? This is a, you see, well, this is a, this is Bloomberg. This show is, you're watching Bloomberg right now. Growth metrics. K yeah. KPIs. There we go. Now you're stuff. talking. Anyhow, so their, they had their, like, they had their best fourth quarter. And so everyone was fired up and the investors are happy and, and it, it, it appears as though these new phones, people are, you know, in, in real life, people are talking about them. Uh, people are on YouTube watching videos about the iPhone 11 Pro. Mm -hmm. Spending money, presumably, selling a couple. But you see the problem with that, believe it or not, is that iPhone, as a brand within Apple, posted a $22 billion loss year over year. $22 billion. Like, that's a... Well, that number's no joke, Will. Yeah. $22 billion. How are they losing? No, 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 no. It's a decline. It's a decline. Overall revenue. $22 billion decline. From the previous year. Why, oh, why? Because we're in a financial reporting now. Oh, right, yeah. So it just it isn't as hot as it was. Now, Apple, as you know, they don't report, they don't extract all the specifics when they do the reporting. So you don't know exactly the breakdown of different devices, which ones are selling, which part of it was bigger before. They, have, they do break out the services and wearables. And the wearable segment kind of sucks up a little bit of that juice because, of course, they're moving units over there. Service is growing at an 18% year over year. But according to this particular analyst, Beth Kindig, it's not accelerating fast enough to soak up the entire decline from the iPhone segment. Now, iPhone, big money maker. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, maybe the hottest product ever of all time, arguable, maybe. So for Apple, what's important to note, for the record, for people who watch this, maybe aren't tuning into the Bloomberg, this doesn't mean Apple's going anywhere. It just means that in terms of the, the trajectory of the company, where they started, where they went, and where they're going, you need to take into consideration the various, the pace 
at which that may continue or it may change direction to right. a certain degree. So they are growing, but not the same pace as they were before in the past. The, the uh, conclusion, the finding in the article is that maybe you've seen the peak for the iPhone, hmm. that the smartphone saturation story has caught up to everyone and we're in such a saturated environment now that the revenues that used to exist can never be realized. Again, hmm. the money's not out there to grab because of the competitive marketplace that exists now. You can't go grab these, this easy thousand from the average person. Right. On top of that, the whole the macroeconomic scene, you didn't expect that today. Neither did I. Macro. People are cost getting more cost sensitive. It's a global marketplace trade situation china not thinking as favorably as apple or at least selecting domestic brands a lot of factors at play now apple's going to reach into the services they're going to reach into the apple tv plus mm -hmm. right to try to get a little bit of cash back but that's it's like a five dollar subscription you need you're still on a per customer basis you can't grab hold of the lost revenue of the lack of the upgraders. Mm -hmm. Again, to reiterate, I know people here are tech fans. Very uh, militant at times. It doesn't mean Apple's not making a, a good smartphone. It doesn't mean Apple's going anywhere. It doesn't mean Apple doesn't have a boatload of cash reserves. Uh, second only, in fact, to Google. How about this for cash reserves? Sitting in cash, listen to this, also referenced. In the article over here, uh, they're sitting on, come on, I'm going to get it here. They're sitting on $102 billion cash reserves. And the only company sitting on more is Alphabet. That's Google's parent company, $117 billion in cash reserves. Now, apparently, some of this has to do with Apple spending money on stock buybacks. They used to have $122 billion in cash reserves. But the point here is that even with these new products they're coming out with and services, the wearables, you add it all up. You still can't make up that difference because of the, because of the powerhouse that the iPhone has been for revenue. And the fact that primarily Apple is still and will be an iPhone company for the foreseeable future. There's nothing big enough set that is sitting there ready to, to, uh, to, to fight, to do business at the level that the iPhone was doing. There's nothing on deck. Anyway, so the point of this article, you can, it's, it's, it's in depth. You can go deeper. <clears throat> you want to read. You want to do the whole business show uh, like Willie Do was talking. I mean, you got three pages over there. Yeah, it just keeps going. Look at that. I mean, graphs and everything. Now, of course, people. some people are going to disagree with this. Other people, investors, analysts, think everything's looking good. Maybe they, uh, maybe they overestimate. Maybe this one underestimates the potential for the services at five bucks a month. But the point of it, important to note, the, the, the statement, the headline, the thesis is just that Apple isn't a growth company like they have been. Like, there's going to be a bit of a plateau because of how difficult it's going to be to find 
a profit margin, a revenue stream, similar to what the iPhone has been able to do in the past for any smartphone company. Now, granted, could you come up with a new product category that we haven't seen yet? Could we live in the future? Could that happen? Of course. At which point this could all change. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that actually. Okay. Right now. In the next topic. Apparently, you know, we talked, Will, about uh, on a previous episode, we talked about Apple thinking about or they were rumored to have been working on augmented reality glasses. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was that? Nothing. Uh, was that a yeah, man? <laughs> no, no. I was uh, <clears throat> kind of choking. That's interesting because I got used to your 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 consistency with my yes. And you I you threw me I was off kilter there for a minute. I thought you were mixing it up. No, no. That's just me choking a little bit while I'm saying I'm agreeing to you. Yeah. It's a little bit of choke. All right. So it's pretty widely speculated at this point, the rumors and whatnot, pointing in the direction of Apple. Uh, thinking about augmented reality in a more serious way. Uh, some of this was already indicated by the fact that the, the AR stuff they were showcasing on the phone and trying to uh, conjure up some interest in developing for AR. They are always showing off the games at the presentations, uh, uh, the the furniture in the room. In fact, when they put out the Mac Pro, remember there was... You can see what it looked like on your desk in AR. Yes. So they obviously spend some time thinking about it. Well, the new rumor came out today, yesterday. The new rumor is that Apple is actually working with Valve on their AR glasses. Mm -hmm. Valve, you know who Valve is, Will? Explain to the people. <clears throat> well, they have the um, 3D goggles on the cell uh for themselves <laughs> oh you're having a day today you're just having a time you know what it was we took too long to get started you were in a you were in a yeah, mood earlier and then things started yeah. happening and now you're getting caught off guard here <laughs> it's choking yeah it's a choking. lot going on for you so go ahead give it a shot here um yeah i mean valve is a, a game company right <laughs> <laughs> will he do ladies and gentlemen what a time all the things. He's living his life. He's on the internet. You know Valve, okay? They, uh, yes. they got Steam. Yeah. They yeah. got Steam and also, of course, uh, VR, invested in VR. Not AR so much. Not, not as, uh, not, not, I'm not aware of it. Oh, you're just showing pictures of Valves now. Oh, you're on fire. We got <laughs> Will's on fire today. Uh, yeah, they're a, they have a huge footprint in the gaming world, obviously. Half-Life 2, Half-Life. Yeah. They've been in been in it for a while yeah. and ha have a diverse footprint in various areas. Probably best best known for Steam, though. Now, what would you say? Yeah, probably best known for Steam. So huge uh, inventory of games, transactions, buy games uh, online and whatnot. Very convenient. Not really, not like a Netflix for games, but I mean, you have to buy the games, but they all live in one place. And then, and, and, and VR is a big part of that, gaming, or at least it was supposed to be. And who knows? And we don't really know why VR hasn't taken off as much as 
people had projected at one point. Right. Because the hardware came out, the hardware started to improve, and still, it just seems like, and again, this is just from personal experience, it seems like people aren't really gravitating towards it. Could be the headset, could be the fact that parameters around playing it, you got to have an empty room in some cases, maybe too much space. Oh, maybe it's too much of a commitment. It's not casual to do the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience because we have this stuff around. <clears throat> and it's just, it's a very formal experience to get yourself rigged up. Get all rigged up. It is up. a process. And, and, and it, it's I don't seamless. know. Maybe it's just the point I'm at in my life. Maybe if I was uh, 14 years old, I'd get rigged up. And really look look forward to it. Yeah. Rigged up. <laughs> Will's, looking at, Will's looking at me weird right now. Like, I don't want to see this man rigged up. Maybe I don't, you know, I probably don't either. Anyhow, seems like it could be a good partner for Apple for this AR, these AR glasses, because they may be interested from a from a gaming perspective. On how, because it does seem like one of the initial killer functionalities for AR could be gaming. Mm -hmm. Could be, should be. Apple's shown it off to a certain degree already. They have the gaming footprint, and we've seen this kind of lukewarm effect taking place with, the, with VR. So maybe the AR is bigger than the VR right now. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it has more potential. I don't know. I played with the Microsoft. What was the Microsoft headset? HoloLens? Mm -hmm. I actually brought the HoloLens onto Rogan's podcast a long time ago, way back in the day. Okay. I can't remember. I didn't have the HoloLens, but some dudes who did have it let me borrow it okay. for Rogan's podcast. Shout out to them. I forgot who they were right now. They were, they were working on augmented reality apps at the time. Were they from Microsoft? No, 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 no. They weren't. They were from a third-party company see. that got early access. It might have been a developer version of it. And we were shooting the airplanes were coming in the game, <laughs> and they're in your room. And we've all seen it, right? The demos looked really good. But much like VR, it, the hardware was a bit prohibitive. Who was going to pick up the hardware, and what did it look like? It, wasn't, it certainly wasn't glasses like you're wearing, Will. No. Right? It's like a giant visor. It's a whole thing. Uh -huh. So that's the key factor, and that's probably what Apple is good at. So now you combine those two pieces, possibly the, the, the technical know-how, the gaming DNA of Valve, and the hardware chops of Apple, and maybe you have a product. I don't know. Now, keep in mind, is it just a, it's a rumor at the moment? It's not confirmed or anything, but it's, it's a rumor that's been backed up by a couple of different individuals that are... are in the know sometimes to some degree. Hmm. So it's a possibility at this point. It seems like Apple's going to do it regardless. And, and the question only then becomes whether or not the Valve partnership is a real thing. The report says that the Apple glasses might be released in the second half of 2020 at the earliest with Taiwan's Quanta computer and Pegatron supposed to assemble them. A second half 2020 launch date makes sense for the product. That's when the 2020 iPhones are supposed to launch. So maybe, maybe this is how you do it, Will, coming back to the initial story. Maybe this is how you make up that lost revenue. You, if this, imagine AR becomes the thing that everybody does for everything. Gaming, interacting with your phone. What if voice gets really good? 
and you're touching and interacting with your phone less, could you yeah. have a product that everybody needs to have like the original iPhone? It sounds very optimistic, obviously. Well, it seems like the software is there. You know, there's a lot of demos like on HoloLens that actually create like a really nice experience. Mm -hmm. I think with Apple, uh, maybe it's the hardware they need to work on. Wireless, right. really small. Light. Light. Lightweight. You don't notice that you're wearing it. That's going to be big. Yeah. Now, also, if it coincides with an iPhone launch, you know what they could do. Hmm. They could make you have to get the new iPhone as well. They could say, oh, you want the hot new AR glasses? Is that what you're looking for? You're trying to be futuristic. Yeah. Well, uh, looky here. Yeah. It, it only runs on iPhone. There 15. you go. There you go. That's what Tim says. He says, looky here. The, the 15 Pro. He goes on stage. Max. Yeah. Looky here. <laughs> Timmy? We're on fire today. Uh, you sent me this one. Yeah, I don't know. Is it, I don't know. Apple. Well, what do you think AR. of AR? No, VR, AR, man. It's, I don't know. It seems not. It doesn't seem right yet. It's gotta be so. It's gotta be smooth. They gotta nail it. It's gotta be the aha. Yeah. And it's not there yet. Anyway, we'll see. You sent me this one. Xiaomi's uh, new phone. They got a new device, the CC9. Uh, CC9 Pro unveiled in China on Tuesday. It's got a kind of wild spec sheet considering the price. Now, you know how it goes with Xiaomi and, and the other Chinese competitors. It's you got to pack a you got to pack a hefty spread uh, uh, spec sheet or spreadsheet probably starts as a spreadsheet. And then you got to hit it with the low price tag because it's so competitive in those markets. So here it is, $400 with a 108 megapixel main sensor. How are you going to, how are you going to, what what's, what's the size of each of those pixels? What are you going to do, Will? How's your low light? Yeah. But I guess you got so many cameras on here, who cares? Maybe it's, maybe that's good at one thing and the other one you use for other things. A 20 megapixel ultra wide and an 8 megapixel telephoto that can do 5x optical zoom. There's a 12 megapixel sensor that specializes in bokeh shots and a 2 megapixel lens for macro shots. What? How many? Holy. What did I just even? Is that four? Five? What's going on here? One, two, three, four, five? It doesn't look like five cameras on the back, but I guess that tiny little lens there must be, must be the bokeh one. That's bananas. Uh, it's also got a 32 megapixel selfie camera on the front so if you are a spec chaser then this is going to be compelling to you if you just want some huge numbers on paper as far as the performance is concerned i can't speak to it for obvious reasons mm -hmm. but we are talking about some intense versatility in the camera department just on the sheet mm -hmm. you got to admit that at least uh the other specs here 6.47 inch AMOLED display with a water drop notch, 8 gigs of RAM, 256 storage, a massive 5260 milliamp hour battery, 5260 will, and that'll support 30 watt quick charging. Now, the one letdown for 
the flagship buyers is the fact that it has a 700 series Snapdragon processor, which is the mid-range processor. Of course, that's likely what helps you get down to the $400 price point. But still, even that package right there, the 700 series Snapdragon tend to be good on battery too. So then you got 5260 milliamps with the fast recharge. Are you? I mean, how often you have to be plugged in? Not very often. So 400 bucks for the baseline 6 gig RAM, 128 GB storage goes all the way up to 500 for the premium edition, which is going to give you more RAM, more storage. And it probably will not be available outside of China, unfortunately, but the company is hosting an event in Spain where it, where it will announce the Mi Note 10. And that's going to have probably similar specs or at least take some of the DNA from this particular device. So exciting times for the budget buyers, mid-range buyers, people with three to $400. You don't, I mean, you're not getting left out. And in some cases, you're actually experiencing features that even flagship devices don't have, even though you're not bringing the $1,000 uh, uh, price tag, the $1,000 checkbook with you when you go to checkbook. Imagine that. Imagine you try to buy an iPhone with a check, a smartphone with a check. And I then, mean, it'll uh, kick you right out the store. The cashier has to do that scanning thing. Oh, right. Like the urban coffee. Old-fashioned thing. Yeah. Make a copy of it. Wow, that'd be pretty wild. I remember I have a story. I'm not going to get into it completely today. No, do, please do. No, 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 no. I have a, it's a long story. One day I'll get into it. It's about trying to buy iPhones with cash back in the day. And my God, what a time that was. I mean, it's for a whole different reason. I can't get into it right now. I'm telling you, it's a long story. You guys stay with, tuned. With cash? Hey, you got to stay tuned for that, man. People still do it. No, you can't. It's you not can easy. It. No, it's not easy. I see. Especially not if you need to buy a bunch. So, huh. ladies right. and gentlemen, that's a cliffhanger. That's our first That's our first real. This is HBO. This is a... You're watching HBO. Uh, HBO Go. This is a Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of... Lou. Yeah, it's again. Yeah, House of Later, House of Stark House. You understand? You understand that, Will? Yeah, sure. It's a long-standing history and origin over here. It's medieval. The Lou Banner. Yeah, they we're gonna do it right over here. Oh, sh ah! reminds me. <laughs> this back here, we're looking for submissions for new artwork. And we have the resolution. It's uh, 12,800 by 3,200. So uh, give us our new Stark banner. Don't do Game of Thrones, please. I didn't mean that. But do something cool that would fit into this set, and we're going to throw it up there. Uh, Fan-generated. You could be, your piece of artwork could be up there. I mean, or don't. We don't. It's cool. You want uh, take a nap or something. That's fine too. But if you have something cool that you want to put up there, uh, send your submissions to will at lulater.com. Right? Yeah. You don't seem happy about this. Um, maybe subject the title with the banner. <laughs> Just so I know. Which ones to click on. Yeah. Okay. Put the, make sure you get the subject correct. And, uh, and I look forward to checking these out because it's been stagnant. We had the same stuff up there know, for man. so long. So 
and for those of you just listening, we're talking about the big giant TV array that sits behind me. Uh, anyhow, yeah, Xiaomi, crazy new phone. It just it keeps getting crazier, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. 108 megapixels. You can't use all those. I mean, it's a cool number, nonetheless. 108. Did you hear, Will, that Facebook changed their logo? You're a big logo guy. Yes. Yo, you like to pay attention to logos here and there? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. They're taking heat on this one. Really? So give me a breakdown before you... I mean, I guess I just tainted it by telling you that, but give me a breakdown. You're looking at the logo, and well, I'm going to... this is actually my first time looking at it. Okay, perfect. And I'm just going to describe it for people real quick. It's all caps, and it's actually a fairly standard-looking typeface. And the key characteristic, I would say, is the gradient, the color gradient. It goes from some kind of orange on the F to a magenta hue on the K. And every color in between as it scales across the word, there's a lot of spacing. Um, well, more than usual spacing between the, the fonts. And immediately to me, I know we're trying to get Will's feedback here. I'm just trying to be descriptive. Yeah. To me, the color scheme is indicative of Instagram. Yeah. Okay, but now but now it's yours. I apologize. It's Will's. I apologize. I mean, go ahead. It's all yours. Well, yeah, that's the first thing that I noticed is that uh, the Instagram colors is very apparent. Um, the typeface looks all right. I mean, I don't I don't mind it. Are people not liking it? Yeah, I mean, people people are saying that it's bland, and they're also saying all caps. Really? There's a lot of aversion. I don't think there's, a, there's no drop shadow, is there? Really? Or you mean like an inside shadow? Oh, it's your monitor. Um, yeah, people are saying it's lame to do all caps for a corporate entity. Oh, wow. so the Facebook itself can be different colors, I guess. But But they're saying all caps is very corporate and authoritarian kind of thing, which in an era where these tech companies are enduring quite a bit more scrutiny, you would think they might not necessarily want to have such an aggressive all caps style branding, mm -hmm. you can imagine. And then the other thing is where where they plan to put it. So. You're showing a, an image here of them putting the new Facebook branding at the bottom of Instagram. It's going to go all over the place. WhatsApp, if they own it, they're going to remind you in all caps, this is Facebook. And so some people don't like that either. Hmm. Particularly because, and maybe you feel this way, I don't know. If you have an affinity for a certain app, let's say Instagram or WhatsApp, do you want to be reminded that it's owned by Facebook at any point in time? No. It should be its own entity. Right. It doesn't make you feel any better unless it was a brand that you had tremendous trust in where you felt like it could enhance your experience on the initial platform because you'd, you'd be saying to yourself, oh, this is reliable. I feel right. strong about it. You can imagine that type of brand association but I think for most people, the analysis here is around the, the, the general interpretation of Facebook and how it just doesn't, for whatever reason, have 
this positive vibe surrounding it. And the fact that Facebook itself doesn't seem to get that mm-hmm. in plastering it everywhere. Mm-hmm. They almost put it there as if this is going to increase your user experience. They say, oh, Facebook, great. Right. But then you talk to people in the real world, in the general public, and they don't sound that way when it comes to discussing Facebook. Now, I'm sure there's some people who like it. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. Somebody who's on Facebook, power user, then they go on Instagram, they feel real safe about it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I can't speak for everyone. But Twitter, uh, the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, he took shots at Facebook for this uh, new logo. He put out a tweet. Uh, he, he, he said, Twitter from Twitter, and he did Twitter in all caps. You see, there's the tweet. It's a hot tweet. Uh, 17,000 likes. It's, uh, yeah, so so Jack was taking a shot. Him and Zuckerberg are not getting along a whole, a whole lot right now. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, he recently uh, made an announcement that Twitter was going to be suspending all paid political advertisements. I don't know if you saw this. They want to get out of politics, at least in the realm of them getting paid for political ads. Mm. And this is in the wake of criticism being waged at Facebook over election results and fake fake news. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've said that on it. I don't think I've said those two words together on this. But I mean it in the sense of those, those political ads with the crazy headlines. I don't go on Facebook, but there's a couple of examples in the articles that I read here. Uh, so, so there's obviously a difference in philosophy and so they're going at each other and this is just another opportunity for Jack to go after Zuckerberg and make fun of the, the new Facebook logo. But I'm kind of with you. I don't know. I don't find it to be particularly offensive. I hear what people are saying on the caps thing. For some reason, caps feels weird. Right. I'm just going to look at the old logo. We're going to compare to the old logo. Yeah, the, the old logo, funny enough, doesn't even capitalize the the, the first letter for Facebook. Mm-hmm. But it does seem friendlier. I don't know. Blue is a friendly color. Mm. It's yeah. More trusting, but yeah, I, I don't know. As for like an aesthetic standpoint, I would love to see more stationary, like what the logo looks like if it's looks like if it's an app Mm -hmm. kind of logo or like what's the color definition i guess like it's always changing i think the reason it cycles from blue to the instagram color to the green color is because of whatsapp so that's face all facebook's big brands right it can it can fit into that branding yeah so it's probably going to change it's probably going to have many colors available to it maybe there's more examples later on yeah, people can let us know. I don't know. You're on YouTube right now watching this, likely, or you're listening to it. But if you want to leave a comment, I'm curious what you think of this logo and also your general feeling around Facebook if you want to see the, the brand elsewhere. If you're a user, if you used to be, I'm always curious about it because obviously Facebook, huge player uh, in the social media space. I don't use it that frequently. And I, I always wonder if I'm... The majority in that or 
you know, how things have changed amongst our demographic. I'm curious about it. Uh, did you know, Will, that rodents can drive cars? You didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't know that. I think I, uh, <coughs> I think I read an article about it. Oh, cool. All right. Is so it, uh, mice driving cars? So we're on the same page here. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a yeah. Wired article about a really cool experiment. The rodents that lived in an enriched environment, by the way, did better at driver's education than the rats brought up in standard cages. Ooh. Are you living in an enriched environment, Willie Do? Because it'll make you a better driver of life. No, I'm not. You're not? No. You see, that's the problem right there. You got Otis... Otis is well. He's driving. Yeah, he's he's That's driving the ship good. over there, and God knows what he's, where he's going to put capable. you. Uh, anyhow, the rats climbed into what is essentially a plastic container. This is a DIY type of situation. For the record, they put they created these tiny little cars, and they motivated these rats using Fruit Loops, which which by the way, F R O O T, fruit, Fruit Loops. Cause there ain't no fruit in it. You see yeah, that? That's well, good to know. I mean, in case you were confused, cause you got the toucan, and you might have been confused. <laughs> yeah, I want some Fruit Loops still. We You're were right now. About this earlier, yeah. Okay. I'm still hungry. So maybe we but, will. Uh, maybe we'll have to bring some Fruit Loops in for the next episode. I don't know. For sure. A little bowl right there. Yeah. Would you just? Oh, people will not appreciate that. I don't think we can do that. Anyhow, it turns out rats really into Fruit Loops. They put them at the opposite end of the arena. They put the rats inside the DIY cars, which they can move based on their their these limited physical movements. Will move the car in a particular direction. So the Fruit Loop is the reward. They worked with two groups of subjects: one that lived in the enriched environment. They call it here in the Wired article a Disneyland for rats. And then the others had a really drab, a terrible environment, and they tried to learn the same techniques. The ones that weren't in the enriched environment, they could barely move around in the cars. The other ones, they were flying left and right. They're driving uh, better than we do. Hmm. Straight, going straight for the Fruit Loop. They figured out the techniques. Well, they just crash into the wall, really. <laughs> hey, man. Just saying. Hey, man. But they're good rats. On, good on them. Yeah, you know? they're rats. You got, you're not impressed? I mean, put on the brakes there. But yeah, this is uh, exciting. Okay, so here's the crazy part. Uh, they tested the driver's feces. And, and that, that means the rats, by the way. And they were looking for stress hormones. And they found that scooting around, driving, was relaxing for the rats. Hmm. That suggests that they actually got enjoyment out of it. Out of driving? Yeah, they actually enjoyed it. Hmm. So, it's interesting. You start, to, you start to think about your own environment. You start to think about stress hormones in your own feces. 
No, because the, the, the thing is with the road rage, it's the opposite effect. When you're in traffic, yeah, it's, uh, it's brutal. But maybe you're flying around, you're going where you're, you're getting where you're going. What do you do, Will? You're going on a road trip. You're grabbing a hot coffee. You're having a time. Yeah. The open road. Scenic route. The American dream. Mm-hmm. The drive-in movie theater. Yes. Cheeseburgers. Would like to have one. You're going for Chick-fil-A, you mentioned, yes. this weekend. Yeah. You're going to try the Give first Canadian location of Chick-fil-A. Uh-huh. Break it down for Well, I'm going. And that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm hoping to get original and spicy. Okay. And you're going to let Otis try a little bit. Oh, yeah. As well. For yeah. Sure. Is there still not still a lineup? There, guys, since this thing opened, Young and Bloor, yeah. it's been a lineup. People, I've seen news articles. There was a, at first, there's like a protest, there's a whole thing, but then it just turned into people trying to get their hands on the Chick fil A, mm-hmm. mostly. Also, Popeye's restocked, and I just realized we haven't talked about chicken sandwiches in a while. Now we got Kirk hungry over there. So that's how that whole thing goes round and round. Anyway, Will's going to report back to us. He's going to bring some real heat to the, to the show uh, on Monday. Yeah, see what the fuss is all about. Oh, wow. All right, so I'm excited. You should be too. That's cliffhanger number two. This is HBO, remember. Look at this, Will. Cool article here from Business Insiders. Uh, Tech companies that shut down or went bankrupt in the last decade. I'm about to take you on a trip down memory lane. Kirk, you as well. Jack's got headphones on. Uh, it's, it's surprising. I forgot some of these companies, but it really is interesting to go through this. Here we have a company that declared bankruptcy in 2010, a company I've referenced in the past, a company, a place that I used to spend a lot of time, Blockbuster. That's a classic. And I don't really don't need to explain it. Everyone knows Blockbuster is gone. It was founded in 1985, the year I was born, by the way. That's interesting. I used to spend endless hours in there sorting through the, the films, picking up the old budget rentals. Mm. That, was, that would be my thing because they, they also were, they would have deals. It would be cheaper if you picked up the, the classics mm. as opposed to the new release. A lot of people don't know this. There's one blockbuster left yes. on, on Earth, and it's privately run, and they're just going to keep doing it even though the, the chain is wiped out the peak valuation for blockbuster was 8.4 billion dollars in 1994 8.4 billion to zero well and we it's weird because you look at it you realize you go from 85 you peak in 94 nine years doing business that's pretty that's a pretty wild growth there and then by 2010 it's a wrap you can blame Netflix, obviously. Yep. And 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 believe it or not, there's a lot of people want, are mad at Netflix, including the movie theaters, which I did the previous topic relating to that. Mm-hmm. So there is one franchise left. I think it's in the Seattle region. If you just have to go get some of, of your very own blockbuster nostalgia, you, you can travel. It's either there or in Portland. It's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. You can uh, browse whatever films still exist over there. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to read all of them, just the ones that are 
interesting to me or I have a connection to. The other one is Palm. You remember Palm? 2011. Went out of business in 2011. Peak valuation, $53.3 billion in 2000. Did you ever have a Palm, Willie Do? No, but I've always wanted a Palm Pre. You wanted a Palm Pre? Yeah. I had a Palm Treo, which okay. was probably my first smartphone, if you can call it that. And I had this before a BlackBerry, in fact. Uh, you can go to images. Top left is fine. That's the one I had. If you want an actual real image, look at that baby right there. I was crushing the world with that thing. You know how much business I was doing? You don't understand, man. No, I mean, I was in high school, so. Treo 680. I just knew, I feel like even back then, as a youngster, I knew I was gonna, I was into this stuff. Because I had no reason to even have that or want that. But yet... I felt I needed to experiment with it, experience. I had to use it. Mm -hmm. And so I went out of my way to get one. And I guess the rest is history because obviously I got really into smartphones after, after that. And the thing about the valuation in 2000 that should blow your mind, that $53.3 billion put Palm at the time in a higher valuation than McDonald's and General Motors. Stop and think about that. Palm could have been Apple. Hmm. I mean, they, they couldn't. Obviously, they had no iPhone. But to, to give you a perspective on what could have been, they were early to a party that ended up becoming the world's party, hmm. the smartphone party. It's wild. 2013, Compaq. You remember Compaq? Yes. Did you ever have one of those? No. I had a Compaq Presario. Was that a desktop or what? No, that was a laptop, a chunky one. It actually wasn't mine. It was my dad's. And he used to carry it in, in, in a legit briefcase, <laughs> in a hard shell briefcase that I don't think was made for it, with a huge power adapter. And he was super professional, but it was a chunky one. It was an early, it was an early time uh, compact Presario. Now, they didn't go bankrupt. They were purchased by HP, Hewlett Packard for $25 billion in 02, but then HP just shut them down. Wasn't worth it. The name went out of existence. Peak valuation in 2000 at 40 billion, founded in 1982. It's crazy how quickly value can exit from a brand or company. It can take 20 years to build it, and then in five years, four years, yeah. it's gone. A couple wrong decisions. Yeah, night, night. Good night. Now, this one's, like I said, this one's weird because HP probably, it was probably valuable to them to eliminate that competitor. Right. So the value may have transitioned in a way at that moment. Alta Vista. Come on. Give me some love on that one. Willie, do you ever use Alta Vista? Uh, you didn't? Is oh, you're not an OG. Engine? You're, Jack, we got a chair for you right there. Just swap. We got a chair. Kirk, Alta Vista. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Alta Vista, man. What is it? A search engine? <laughs> the most That's so I'm rude, just reading Will. right now. The most powerful and useful guide to the net. That was the search engine pre-Google. I was using Metacrawler. Was that yeah. the same era? No, that was like after Alta Vista. Yeah, Alta Vista in nineteen ninety-five founded. 
Yeah. You were you That's when I started. You were 10 using the internet. Oh, okay. So maybe I was on the internet before you. You probably were. When did your first computer come into house? What was your first computer? Man, it was like running a Windows 3.1. Oh, 3.1. I had DOS computers in my house. So yeah, you were yeah. definitely yeah, a little yeah. bit later. Yeah. Uh 2.3 billion dollar valuation in 1999. It wasn't shut down until 2013. That's kind of funny cuz I definitely oh. didn't use it into the 2000s, I don't think. It was one of the largest search engines, and it was shut down by Yahoo, who purchased it. And even Yahoo, wow. That's a throwback on its own. But I used to love how you could configure, you could configure it. You could, it had categories. It had a, it was a homepage. Because searching didn't always, searching used to be hard pre-Google. You didn't get what you were looking for often. Mm -hmm. At least not every time, not with the same degree of accuracy. So browsing the categories was a real thing that you did. And look at that. It has speed boost on it. Is that an ad or <laughs> is, is that ad. real? Yeah. It's this has got to be an ad, right? It's got, I don't know. It's got a speed boost style. Weird. Uh, there was a social media app called Friends Reunited, which I think is funny just because of the name that went out of business. I'd never used it. Pebble in 2016. You remember Pebble? Yes. This one is a crazy story. At the time, it was the number one product on Kickstarter. It raised $10.3 million. It was the most successful Kickstarter campaign ever. And the owner turned down $740 million in 2015 to sell the company. He turned down $740 million. But you know, you know uh, eventually, he was able to sell it for $40 million to Fitbit. So he missed out on $700 million. You ever miss out on $700 million, Will? All the time. <laughs> Every feels, day. Feels bad. That's rough. It's rough. I remember Pebble started the whole wearable thing. Yeah, e-ink watch. Yeah. It was, I remember it being a really big story. Now, I don't think I got one, which is weird because my channel started in 2011, 10. When did this, when was that Kickstarter? Okay, so he had an offer to sell in 2015. Yeah, I should have definitely unboxed one of these, but I never did. For whatever reason, I skipped over the e-ink thing, as far as I can remember, unless there's a video out there. The campaign was in 2012. Yeah, so I guess it was hottest, maybe 2013. Still pretty early days for me, so maybe that's why it got skipped. But it generated a ton of interest in a short period of time, founded in 2012, an offer to purchase for $740 million by 2015 in three years, an upstart, a Kickstarter company. Kind of amazing, but it never, it, never, it never was able to really do it. And then, of course, Fitbit buys it, and now Fitbit gets bought. So it all gets wrapped into one, and it goes to one of the big players. Isn't that, isn't that funny how that works? Well, somehow that ends up a Google product now yeah. in a weird roundabout way. A lot of tech companies get bought out. That's how it goes. Yeah. It's better than going bankrupt, I guess. Mm. The uh, 2017 Virtu, the luxury phone. This oh. is fun. Are we having fun? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. the luxury phone founded in 1998. I remember they were rebranding, skinning, kind of making different models very beautiful. 
and expensive. I, did I do a Virtu phone? No. I don't think I ever did. We did it? No. Right. We've done various luxury phones, but I don't think I ever did a Virtu. Oh, okay. Uh, it was, yeah, founded in 98. Peak valuation, $297 million, Went bankrupt in 2017. Their, the phones were like 6000 bucks. Yes. No, I'm not even joking. They well, would have real diamonds and leather and, and well, everything that's else. Your, that's your first problem. Like, and I remember I actually talked to an executive at the company at one point in time. I remember this phone call because I was saying, send it over. I'll do an unboxing video because I was curious about it. And I remember him indicating to me that he, you know, that it was a difficult product to feature because it's not, it's not really a tech product. It's a luxury product. Right. Right. You can't make the tech justification for the six grand. You got to start evaluating the materials and. He was kind of making a case for it, but I guess it, none of it matters now because it's over. They went bankrupt. Remember this company, Jawbone? Oh, they went out of That's business. weird. That's a, that's a type of company you completely forget. But yet, there was a moment in time where it was a real player. Yeah. Kirk's got a Jawbone. Yeah, they're out of business, 2017. Peak valuation, $3.2 Who would have thought? Shut down and liquidated in 2017. How about this? They were sued by vendors who claimed they were owed money. They just ran the business into the ground, it appears, mm. based on this. Kind of crazy because you had that, that head start. They were the first, remember? One of the first with the cool Bluetooth. Remember that? The jawbone? Yeah. But I guess what happened? Like nobody wears, nobody has Bluetooth headsets anymore. Their Bluetooth headset, I believe, was one of the first with the noise-canceling thing. Was it not? Was that how they got the name? Or was it noise-canceling, or was it the microphone for speech was better? I can't remember. But yeah. it started there, and then, of course, it went into Bluetooth speakers. And then I believe they had a wearable as well. Did they? They had one of the first fitness wearables. They, they had nice-looking hardware. But as you can tell here, it doesn't necessarily matter. You could have it all together and... Oh, yeah, these things. You remember, see what I'm saying? You totally forget these things existed. Mm -hmm. you, can have, you can have a brand and you can, I guess you can mismanage it or not pay your bills. I don't know what you do. I don't know how it happened, but of course we could look into it. This one is for Kirk. 2018 Path. The social network... For a tighter knit social group, Path shut down. And this was, I remember when this launched, it was kind of the anti Facebook. It was have a tight knit group, don't compete. That's such a weird concept. Do you remember? People would compete to have friends, to have a bigger friend number on Facebook. That was a thing that humans, I guess people still do that. I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what goes on in the world anymore. Have you, guys, have you guys seen the boomer meme? That's me. You guys haven't seen that yet? Boomer here? It means I'm out of touch. Boomer like like a baby boomer. And we see, well, you got to brush up on your memes over here. But anyway, I'm in, bo I'm in boomer zone when it comes to certain things that are happening. Uh, but Path, I thought was really cool. And I remember early days, Unbox Therapy on King Street downtown, we were all on it, experimenting with it. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yep, yep. Right when it came out, we were super curious about it because it was like, oh, maybe this is a better way to have a to 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 social media each other. 
<laughs> uh, peak evaluation, half a billion. $500 million peak valuation started in 2010, ended in 2018. It was going to be a challenger to Facebook. It was going to be better for your mental health. And it started at some point rapidly shedding users and then went under completely. That's pretty, I guess that's upsetting, right? Mm -hmm. It's a cool concept. It never took off for whatever reason. It's hard to do a, 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 a social media site that can stay there. Man, it's hard. Uh huh. Especially when you got big, uh, big social media companies. You're up just against already there. You're up against some big players. Just buying other companies. Some big players. Uh, we'll do. What, what should we do? One more. You remember Stumble Upon? <laughs> oh yeah. Did anybody use that Stumble Upon? 2018, and I guess it shut down recently, had a valuation peak, 75 million. It was like bookmark. It was like kind of like cool bookmarking thing. It would show you a random site. Is that what it was? Stumble upon. Like you it was no, there was no bookmarking it. element to it. You wouldn't, because it would be the stumble upon plugin. You could add it to your stumble. Am I wrong? Am I crazy? I think it would cater to what you chose as like a bookmark. Right. I think maybe. Let's, and then like let's verify. Know, let's be sure here because you new websites. Stumble upon. It's a cool name. It kind of feels like the internet at times. Yes. To stumble upon something. A discovery and advertisement engine that pushed web content recommendations to its users. It allowed users to discover and rate. So it's kind of like an early Reddit sort of. Uh, web pages, photos, and videos that are personalized to their tastes and interests using peer sourcing, social networking, and advertising principles. The service shut down in June 2018. All right. Yeah, I remember using it, but obviously not as much as you guys did. So there is a pretty cool trip down memory lane. The youngsters might not remember any of those. If you have any to add to it that are interesting from the 2010s or before that, it's really weird reading through that list you really forget about some of these things, even though they might have been huge products or popular sites. Or if you're Willie Do, you never even used Alta Vista, so you're not even an OG. Is there a app or product that you want to bring back? Are you asking questions now? Yeah. Wow. Just uh, this is taking an back to Inquisition. A, a, a product I would want to bring back or an app or a player in the space. Yeah. Hardware, whatever. A player in the space. Yeah. You know what I used to love as a kid was Dreamcast. Mm. The game console Dreamcast. I had some weird titles for that. I had the VMU and the controller. I did an unboxing video, a nostalgic unboxing video. When I got that, I was the outlier because everyone in school had a PlayStation. Mm. Or what was the other... At the time, because there's no Xbox yet. N64? N64. Yeah. Or an early PlayStation. And I opted for, for the Dreamcast. And somehow, my brother and I agreed, let's get the Dreamcast instead. And we were playing the 2K sports games before they rolled out on any of the other platforms. Were they running at 60 frames? I don't know. I felt really fast. Did it? <laughs> I don't know. I, it was like, just such an offshoot. It was such a different... Yeah way they were approaching it the controller was way different 
like I said, I thought the coolest thing ever was the screen in the controller because it, we played football games a lot. And the other guy would see the play you were calling. Yeah. And on the 2K sports football game, you could call your plays, pick your plays on the VMU unit, on the screen on your controller so the other guy couldn't snoop. I thought this is so innovative. No one's done it yet to this day. But again, no one does local multiplayer anymore. So right. why would it why would it matter? No one no one actually uh no, no one actually socializes anymore, Will. No. D didn't you know that? You just no. you go on social media at a distance. You game with the headset. Uh-huh. There's Which, no controllers in controllers. Yeah. No, I like you're right. the Dreamcast. Oh, that's the other crazy part. The VMU was a controller itself. Yeah. You, <laughs> you could play mini games on the thing. Yeah. Man, it was so wild. Such a crazy device. So I'll bring that one back. Go back to the drawing. We re-released Dreamcast. Probably would not be a hit today, but no. whatever. Uh, the last McDonald's burger simply won't rot, even after 10 years. This is the last McDonald's burger ever from Iceland. Huh. Now, you're, you've traveled to Iceland before, Will. Yes. I traveled to Iceland. Well, that's weird. Have we all been to Iceland in this, <laughs> but separately, right? We've all been to Iceland separately. Didn't you go with Jack? I mean, I went with Jack, but you went on your own and he went on his own. Yeah. That's weird and interesting. <laughs> How is that weird? It's just an just, odd place uh, that every, all, every single one of us would visit. Yeah. And it's a cool place. Uh, I'm not trying to... That's a foreign country. And that wasn't together. You see how weird that is? Yeah, I can see it. Anyway, shout out Iceland. Had a great time when I was there. There's no McDonald's in Iceland. I don't know if you if you remember. The last McDonald's shut down when they had a financial crisis at one point in time. It's not a huge population in Iceland as well, so it might not have been worth it for McDonald's. Apparently what happened was when the financial crisis happened, the cost of doing business went way up, and McDonald's was just, what are we doing here? There's 300,000 people here. We could just pop another one up in any city, USA, Canada, China, whatever, wherever. Mm -hmm. McDonald's, around the world, big timers. Now, this is a cool story about how there's an emerging trend called slow TV, which is popular in Northern Europe. What do you think? What does that mean to you, Will? How about watching a 10-year-old burger decompose in real time, live stream? Just going to say that. <laughs> I don't, imagine throwing that on. What? Couldn't you just look at a still image or what? Like Is a it on national TV? Maybe a bug would show up or what do you wait? Something could happen because it's live. Yes. Once upon a time at the old studio, we ran a live camera of, the, of just the studio. And people, I remember looking at the chat when I wasn't at the studio anymore, and people were hanging out waiting for something might happen. So there's an interesting ph ph phenomenon there where if something can happen, you want to be ready just in case. Anyhow, this guy, like a lot of other people in Iceland, when they found out that the, last, the first and last McDonald's yeah. in the country was going to shut down, he got in line with a bunch of other people to buy his last burger to commemorate the last McDonald's burger. Not to eat, but to save. He put it in, yeah, in this case, he put it in his garage and forgot about it. Now, when he went to check on it, 
he realized something. It, it was years later. He's moving or something. He, he finds the burger, and the burger still looked like a burger. You see that? It's like, I'm hungry. It was oh. years later. And the fries, the fries, I think, look worse than the burger, to be honest, if you look at the image. But so sure enough, he finds this, this artifact of a time gone by in his country, which is interesting. And instead of chucking it away at that point, uh, years later, instead, he, he brings it to some kind of museum to commemorate. The live stream of this McDonald's cheeseburger and fr fries at its peak drew 2 million viewers a month. Wow. Wow. Where is it streaming? Is it still streaming? Yeah, it's still streaming, Will. Where is it? The only element that moves on the screen is the time display. So you know that you're actually watching a live stream. It was purchased hours before the corporation pulled out of the country in 2009. Hours. It sits in a museum now where people, where people don't just watch the live stream. They also go and visit it. They go visit the 10-year-old burger, Will. Huh. Maybe one day on your next trip to Iceland, not only will you visit the hot springs, you will visit the 10-year-old burger. It's possible, right? I'll check it out. You'll Why check not? it out. Why not? It's a small place. You can do it. You can head there. I kind of wish that I did. Now, of course, the symbolism here, it's more significant because McDonald's represented Iceland uh, coming of age on the global stage. We're a real player, free market mentality. It represented progress in a way. Now, that can't be said for everywhere McDonald's goes. I think in, in, in Italy, for example, I think they chase, in certain cities, they chase McDonald's away. Hmm. But in this case, that's kind of what it represents. So when it left, it was, a, it was a downer. So that's why part of the reason it's been commemorate, commemorated. Now, of course, Will, you can just go around a corner and pick up a burger. Yes. Oh, apparently, McDonald's, they, they, they upgraded uh, their beef as well. So Yeah, to a C. So it's not... Perfect. That's rude. How or, or you could just head down to Chick-fil-A, which is what you're yeah. doing this weekend, and you're going to report back to us on Monday. But if you want to check out the live stream, you can go ahead and uh, and search it up. It's it's still it's streaming right now. 10-year-old yeah. McDonald's burger. I can promise you it's riveting content. How much money would, uh, would it take for you to take a bite? Take a bite? No, I'm not taking a bite. No. No, look, okay. at, if people go look at the picture, they'll realize I'm not taking a bite. Looks fresh, though. <laughs> okay, this one is going to really surprise you. I don't know if you've heard about this. This became a topic recently, an uh, uh, interesting topic recently, around inhalers. Kirk's nodding his head because he's woke. Well, also you're woke, though. He's very woke. Did you know that about him? Of course. That's the first thing he told me. I don't know this who's more woke, though. Kirk or Jack? I'm not sure. It's definitely not either of us, Will. No. It's one of them. Then again, it could be Otis. Yeah. Anyway, apparently, apparently, the asthma inhalers are, are having a really big uh, greenhouse gas effect on the climate. And, and this would never have crossed my mind. 
And I don't, and it just started getting talked about recently. I guess it's hot in the news right now. Hmm. And it turned into some sort of social issue because some people are feeling, how can you uh, shame someone who's trying to breathe, who needs the thing to breathe? It's kind of a weird scenario. But apparently there are more eco-friendly inhalers. Listen to this, okay? In the UK... This, this story is via the BBC in the UK. So population of the UK is around 65 million. So way, much smaller than the US, for example. But in the UK in 2017, 50 million inhalers were prescribed. 50 million inhalers, 60 million people, something like that. That's a ton of inhalers, first yeah. off. Yeah. Yes, they're getting many throughout the year. Seven out of 10 of them were metered dose inhalers. Those are the type that contain greenhouse gases. The gas they contain is called hydrofluoroalkane. I had to split it up because it's, I mean, look at that word. I don't know if you want to highlight it there, Will. Hydrofluoroalkane. It is the propellant used to squirt the medicine out of the inhaler. You got this? Okay. Mm-hmm. The researchers estimate that replacing even one out of 10 of these inhalers would reduce carbon dioxide equivalent emissions by 58 kilotons. Jeez. What? <laughs> Why is it outputting so much? Kilo kilotons. No, it's not that it's such a huge amount. It's the type of greenhouse gas is apparently just big time. It's a, it's so just though, a that's the most like... Um, toxic. Let me put this in one more way to help, and this is via the BBC. That's similar to the carbon footprint of 180,000 return car journeys from London to Edinburgh, Scotland. 180,000 trips, car trips. One, if you replace one out of every 10 prescribed inhalers. So now you get we get into the weird woke zone of hey use the environmentally friendly one, but if the environmentally friendly one doesn't work as well for that individual, why why are you using the one that's killing the environment I have to live in? Because you're squirting all day. You get into the weird zone. Mm -hmm. Th this thing really shocked me that that I've seen these inhalers my whole life and never th you never consider. Mm -hmm. You just assume it's so small. How can it be? How can it be that significant? But it turns out that it actually is. So anyhow, maybe there can be more research put into these dry powder inhalers, which are the environmentally friendly type. And maybe for some people, they can move to those ones. But apparently it's kind of, it's squirrely right now because these are really important to people who have con certain conditions. Mm-hmm. And to, to change your prescription could have an impact on your health. And so you got to be careful about it. And I and for the record, I don't think if you need this thing to live, I don't think you deserve any degree of shame for the record. Officially, that's my position on it. But it goes to show you, Will, how it, things you don't even consider when you start talking footprint. Mm -hmm. What's your footprint? 
what what have you done environmentally right or wrong and then you see some number like this and you realize that the the footprint lives in places unexpected places as well mm -hmm. including asthma which is a bit of a shock to the system but nonetheless you want more information you can uh, go read the article and also this will be a good opportunity i'm sure there's somebody in the audience with asthma let me know to, in the comments the complexity of switching to the alternative type of inhaler and why that might be a problem because i'm curious coming from someone with experience in a space why it's not feasible to switch over and what are the benefits of using the pre-existing technology uh it's interesting stuff nonetheless all right so speaking of social networks you know we were lamenting the uh demise of path earlier how about this for a new one it's called friended kirk yeah, peaked, we piqued kirk kirk's interest friended it's a new social network that wants to get real this coming via tech crunch and the concept of friended is to take a totally different strategy towards the social media concept away from the public posting the kind of uh, searching for likes type of posting and instead to move certain conversations private where you could potentially be more vulnerable instead of chasing likes you could it wouldn't be all the best moments only you know you do hop on instagram will everybody's winning just crushing the universe mm -hmm. you hop on instagram yeah and then i feel terrible i'm just on a beach yeah. right now who me i'm in first class oh you're looking at me that's i'm just eating shrimp <laughs> you know how it goes oh yeah it's like weren't you on that beach you know six months ago like oh yeah that's the other thing people they save it up right yeah. see i don't know i'm not on there i'm not on there like that for the most part but they save it up to make it even worse they're sitting right beside you. They're right over there, and they're on the beach at the same time. That's rude, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's drabby outside. It's gray. But they're on a the beach in virtual land, in influencer land. They're on the beach. Anyway, on Friended, users can post to the community about what they're thinking or feeling. But rather than catalyze a town hall-style group conversation, members of the community can respond privately to that post, offering their insights, anecdotes, or advice. The idea is to give people a chance to share how they really feel in a vulnerable one-to-one -one setting. Like this person right here? Did, did we all forget about real life? <laughs> did we forget about action in actual one-to-one? You got to provide people with an opportunity for a one-to-one -one connection? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Provide people a chance to have a one-to-one -one setting. What? Huh? <laughs> or do we just, have we just resigned to the idea that it's impossible for us in real life now. We can't, what, one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. 
crazy. Once again, I must be a boom. I'm a boomer. Boomer here. Yeah. I because I talk to people in life sometimes. Yeah. They're trying to recreate the experience of uh, a one-to-one -one connection. Okay, maybe I'm being too harsh. Let me back up. Maybe some people just yeah. don't want like a face Yeah, some people, face. some people it comes less. Real life. Some people it comes less easy to get out there and start shouting and whatnot. It's not, it's not like it is for you, Will. For everybody. Everybody yeah. can't do what you do it's like a keyboard warrior yeah so so in that sense it is good to talk to people any way you can it's good it's nice to talk to people even if even if you have to do it i don't know is that true no it's not i just can't uh, no it's not will you got to talk to people in real life i think at least yes I don't think there's a way around that. It's something about how dynamic communication is with the minor muscle movements and the warmth that you feel and the the feedback you create of the, the nuance of communication. Mm -hmm. There is no virtual equivalent for the time being as much as these various companies aim to create it. There's always going to be something lacking, a little piece in there. And you're going to think maybe you have it. Until you realize it's missing. Mm -hmm. And then that gets dark in a moment. Absolutely. So I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do it. Who knows? I didn't try to think. I'm reading about it. So keep that in mind. I'm not trying to bury the thing either. Maybe there's a way. Maybe there's a purpose. Maybe somebody is. Let's take, for example, Will, it's some really sensitive topic. And a person truly feels like they, there's nobody that exists in their life they can bring that to. Maybe that is better to put in public in any way, in any form. I don't know. So you could create a circumstance in which something like this could be useful regardless. So how does it work? You, maybe you have like a taboo conversation you want to talk about. Well, like, like, like just like the image online. that you're showing right there. But I find it hard to talk about myself honestly. That's the social media post. Now the person, rather than a stream of comments underneath, go get them, honey. You got this. You're so beautiful. Whatever. Right. Uh, the person replies privately. So therefore, the reply itself doesn't have to be a, a new broadcast where that person has to fit the social protocol of the bigger conversation. Instead, they themselves can be equally vulnerable. So the person could come back and say, I feel the same way too sometimes. Mm. Which they might not be willing to write in a public comments section. And without having the thread available to you, they probably wouldn't go through the hoops to jump to a private message and say, hey, I saw your post. Mm. It's to encourage the idea of, well, some level of privacy, the same way you would communicate in real life, really, which right. is someone, you may respond to something someone says publicly, privately. Yes, yes. Yeah, I get it. Okay, but anyway, is it really, I don't know how innovative it is. Here's the interesting part. Users can only post a conversation starter every eight hours in its current version. And the way around that is a premium tier, which costs five bucks a week. Ugh. And no, but hang on. The reason I believe is because they don't want to be advertising driven. Because when you're advertising driven, then you got to have the hot posts with the hot likes. And you got to have the huge user base, which in many ways... The argument is informs the type of behavior which ends up taking place on sites like Instagram.
Because if it's all about impressions and activities, then you need to select for the beaches and the shrimp. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how well the shrimp post is going to do. It depends what kind of shrimp I'm working with here. Yeah. But I did have shrimp the other day, 3,000 miles at the Korean barbecue, and it was delicious. So there is that. And you're posting Instagram. No, I didn't post it. See, I didn't post it. I just come here and I tell you. Making people jealous. Like I just me. come here and I tell you. Maybe I'm old school. Boomer here. I feel like this could be like a dating thing. It doesn't everything become that? You know? Yeah. Facebook wants to become a dating thing as well. Mm -hmm. Then how much dating is going on? How, well, how long? How are you? You're dating, you know? Friended has raised $500,000 in a seed round from investors. And they're not saying how many monthly active users they have, but they are saying they have 500,000 registered. Hmm. And that 500,000 registered has an average of 11 sessions per day per user in the beta. 2.5 million messages were sent last month. I don't know. Maybe it takes off. Maybe this is what people need in their lives. I think... People need to get out in the world and uh, mix it up every so often. Not all the time. It's fine. But every so often, mm -hmm. you have a conversation. You throw a few words around. Why not? It ain't so bad. You take a few words, you chuck them. You throw a Hail Mary, why don't you? Coming back to the last episode. Willie do. Teaching the world. All right. We're going to end it on a cool, on a, on a, we're going to end it on a ambitious note. The universe might be a giant loop. I'm just let, let that simmer for a minute there. Like simmer like a, like a stew on the stove. The universe, what, what shape is space? Ah! Ow! Ugh! That's where the brain just, what's that, the meat? <laughs> yeah. What shape is space? <laughs> this looks like uh, Kanye West's t-shirt. Yeah, he would love that. Kanye would try to sell you that 20 times over. Everything we know about the shape of the universe could be wrong. Uh, this is coming via LiveScience.com. It was published November 4th in the journal Nature Astronomy. It is not a new idea, but it's a re-emerging idea that maybe the universe is not flat, but instead it is a gigantic loop. And this is kind of reminiscent of the original thought about Earth. Flat Earth? Yeah, of course it's flat. Er, yeah, yeah. Flat is yeah. just easier to comprehend. Yeah. And then eventually it's like, wait a sec, we got all these other things happening. Gravity, uh, things are round, gravitational force, the sun, <laughs> all that cool stuff. Now, it's important to note that this is not official, like a lot of early scientific discoveries or research. There's disputes over Still, whether or not these findings are significant or not. This is, uh, the, the, the basis for this discovery is around data from the cosmic microwave background, which is called the CMB in science. 
this is also referred to as the faint echo of the Big Bang. The CMB. And they analyzed the CMB. Like, does that put a smile on your face? Imagine you're doing this type of research. Uh, honey, I'm just checking out. I'm just, let me get back to the CMB. Yeah. Wow. If the universe is curved, according to the new paper, it curves gently. That slow bending isn't important for moving around our lives, our solar system, or even our galaxy, but travel beyond all of that outside our galactic neighborhood, far into the deep blackness, and eventually moving in a straight line, you'll loop around and end up right back where you started. <laughs> I mean, we're obviously in Neil deGrasse Tyson territory right now, so we're going to take it real easy. We're going to tread real carefully through here but even the idea of the measure measure measuring the cmb it already gets me all fired up they found an, an anomaly in data from the new best ever measurement of the cmb which led them to this uh, way of thinking that it's possibly this this large loop now again people disagree other cosmologists think it's a flat thing. One thing they all seem to agree on is the fact that it's expanding whatever it is. Even if it's a loop, it's an expanding loop. Stretching. I can tell you're really into this, Will. Yeah, I can't even fathom. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Fruit Loops. <laughs> oh! It comes back. The universe is a giant Fruit Loop. F-R-O-O-T. You want to know something, Will? There you go. If we're in a giant loop, we're in it together. You understand? You, me, Otis, Kirk, Jack, and everybody who's watching, shout out. Let's fruit loop together.